belly buttoned that up. I'm very relaxed, as you can tell, but stretching. Beautiful voice. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, mate, I'm, I'm, I do appreciate you coming in. Yeah, totally. It's fine. So, so close to your dad passing. And would love to come on Monday. That'd be yes. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd, be, I'd be stoked if I could, yeah, get you to give a rose and put on the coffin, you know, at oh, the end. absolutely. You know, because he's, he's mad on the military. Yeah. <laughs> so what was it? What was his story? Before we get into talking, telling yours, what was, because your old man helped us out and, Came and did some photos with us last year in the barbecue campaign. Yeah. Actually, that's where I noticed him kind of fading a bit. That was the first time because he's like everything was polished boots, like 100%. And I noticed he had a bit of stubble on the, and I said to him, why don't you move in here, Dad? Because I've just dug out under my house, spent 20K digging out under the house so I could build it for him to look after him. And he's, he said to me, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to stay at home. I want to watch the whales because they look over Clovelly. Yep. Yeah, right. So they bought a house on the beach there 50 years ago. And he just dug in there and. Yeah. yeah. So he just, you know, it'd be like someone saying to us, listen, you know, I've got to pull you, you can't train again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're going, what the fuck? What, what do I do next? So. And, and so, then, I mean, he, he had a fair few medals. Yeah. Was yeah. He, did he go to Vietnam? He, he trained the special forces to go to Vietnam. Gotcha. So he was like with his black belt karate, judo, jiu-jitsu, and he was training them how to kill. Yeah. So he did, he did do his uh, 14th Battalion, 13th Battalion. I don't know. I, I, don't, know. I don't know what the Reserve Battalions are, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. He, so I knew he was on the guns yep. and then he did he did all his handgun stuff. Mm. <laughs> 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 he loved it. Like, to, just, he, he come, he, you, weren't, you weren't there, were you? No, no. Not, not for the barbecue stuff, no. No, he turned up um, to, to get a few photos with us and brought all these just Stacks of photos and, and I don't know, old letters and stuff. Oh, yeah. He's, he had like a mini military history. Paper. Oh, he's got this just nonstop. I'm trying to find all this stuff, but he's, um, his uncle, which I remember put posting up, he was talking about John Carroll, his yeah. uncle, and he won a Victoria Cross. So, oh, wow. Yeah, he, yeah. So he was a, I don't know, one of the first recipients to get the Victoria Cross for Australia and, and got awarded that by King George the third. Yeah. And he was, um, yeah, there's apparently – and then he was an AFL player and all that type of stuff. But I remember I thought, fuck, I better film this. And then I put – you know, sorry, and then I was putting Swiss 8 stuff. Is this yeah. on now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Um, yeah so I was, I was posting it up and I'm like, you know, video him and I'm saying, so where where's he live now? He goes, well, he was in Perth. He, was, he played AFL as well but then moved up to Brisbane. And um, apparently he's the only – Soldier that's been awarded the Victoria Cross that was given it by King George the yeah, Third, and right. he is the only person that's been allowed to. Um, so what have they got the the sol- you know the soldiers on the door at Buckingham Palace? Yeah, the well the red coats or the guard, guard. Yeah. the guards, the, the yeah. royal guards, and he he um, he apparently did something that is the only person that's allowed to do that to put him at ease. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah, stood him down. Yeah, <laughs> I'll have the story somewhere. So. I've got yeah, it. Yeah, we'll, it we'll have to keep. Yeah, keep me back on, and because it's good having that connection. It would have been good for him to 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 have a yarn with some some army boys and show that sort of history as well. I suppose. Hey. Yeah, it was amazing. He's telling the story, and he's like, he's saying, "I said, what did he actually do to get the Victoria Cross?" And he's he apparently ki- killed six Germans. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll do it. But but by, by <laughs> with a bayonet too. Oh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, some of the stories that they go through, I, I like. Just just to get VCs and people that even didn't get VCs, you're like, 
you know, stormed three machine gun pits, captured 27 Germans, bayoneted four of them, you know, and he's like phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. totally, yeah. It's good stories to um, hear and then to hear what he's, you know, what he's done, like uh, with, the, with the military, but more his martial arts because he, he was a black belt in karate and he was a fourth done in, in uh, judo, black belt, and also a black belt in jiu-jitsu. So, so it was handy. Yeah, yeah. So he's yeah, and then um, James Strong, who was the CEO of Qantas, um, it was very successful. James Strong was a captain in the army, and uh, so he employed my dad when he when they you know when Vietnam finished, and my dad was kind of like his bodyguard, um, and my dad started deport deporting people back to their countries, and um, yeah, some amazing, interesting stories. I remember him um, taking this guy. Guy back to I can't remember where it was, but he was a this guy was someone from the special forces, right? And <laughs> so my dad's taking him back, and then I, I just remember because we used to travel with my dad all over the world, right? And I just remember saying, "So what? What's this guy done, Dad?" And he goes, "Oh yeah, we saw him from the special forces. You know, this guy was you know like would go around kind of like a you know an agent, yeah, kill people, <laughs> and um, he was like, and then he said, oh, he started teaching me." like his tools of the trade before he got locked up. I'm like, <laughs> he's going, yeah, he showed me, you know, he showed me how he literally kills people with, with you know, not not, not a weapon, yep. just what's literally at hand around him. What's in the room. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he used to take, you know, prisoners, murderers and, and you know, like people like that, agents back to their country. Um, yeah, and then, you know, I worked for Qantas too with Dad. So, did you? Yeah, did cabin crew there. You, well, the ladies would have loved you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, I, I was great because I got on with the gays and, you know, they worked with me quite well. So they used to help me, you know, with the ladies. <laughs> there's not, well, there's not, I mean, that's, I, I don't know if that's just a stereotype, but you make the assumption that most guys working in, in cabin crew are normally gay and, and most of them, um, when you have a conversation with them, they are. Yeah. But you just, it's a stereotype assumption that everyone is. So you would have been the only, one of the only straight ones. Like I reckon five percent, five percent. So it was, yeah, it was Pandora's box. Yeah, you know, literally. <laughs> so you've done. You've, what other jobs have you done? Um, yeah, so I've been a lifeguard for twenty eight years. Uh, I was a landscaper before that. Did landscape gardening, which I love gardening. And then Qantas, I did for probably eight years. Yeah, yeah right. long haul stuff for Qantas. No, domestic. Domestic. I was domestic. Yeah. So I actually went for the job, and you know, growing up around this eastern suburbs area. Um, you know, you, you just you become a product of your own environment around this area. Obviously, you, it's lush with ladies. It's got it's got the party scene. It's got everything that um, mirrors that amazing Hollywood kind of Bondi catwalk promenade look. You know, so um, growing up here, I was yeah, I was wild. You know, the lifeguard, having a great time, and uh, doing what you do as a young bloke, and still exercising, of course. But um, I did apply for Qantas a couple of times, and I didn't get the job. I, I probably just looked a little bit too bushy-eyed and uh, naughty. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually remember going for – I got through to the last stage a couple of times with interviews and I remember him saying to me, so um, – it wasn't Harry's, it's Anthony's, my real name. So, Anthony, so do, do you actually know how Qantas is sitting on the stock market right now? <laughs> I just looked at these two and I'm like, i got no idea. No. I said, I think my dad's got shares. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's gave me some for his annual leave or something like that. So I didn't get on and then a job of all things come up for Qantas as the face of Qantas. Like so, so all you had to do, you literally 
wear a Qantas uniform and I travel the world modeling for Qantas. Um, yeah, that's a tough gig. Yeah. Tough gig. So I'm thinking, I was 24 at the time and I thought, you know, it was, I didn't want to be away from the surf. I am mad on surfing. So I didn't want to be away from that. But I'm thinking, if I do do something like this, obviously I'll get a cabin crew job or, you know, it would probably help me in my career path at some stage down the track. So I'm going to all these gigs, you know, for Qantas and, you know, I'm at the World Cup football and I'm, you know, you're up in the chairman's lounge, you're representing Qantas and I'm young, so I'm just having a perv, you know, around who's there. <laughs> As you do. And then I remember um, the World Cup was in Sydney, so I was going to Auckland and I was going to Singapore, all these games. And so the World Cup was in Sydney and I remember being in there and I, the sky bed had just come out for Qantas, you know, the fold-out yeah. bed. So I had to sit beside these sky bed and people won awards or prizes to come and sit beside these bed. And I'm there with the CEO of Qantas, Kathy Freeman and Joel Edgington. Wow. In, in, and um, so I'm, I'm in there and I'm like, I'm just a, I'm just a model. I'm nothing else but a model. And they say, hey, mate, go get me a drink. And I said, yeah. <laughs> There's about six different cups that I didn't know. Like, so, like, you know, the CEO goes, mate, yeah, gin and tonic. Oh, you know, God, what do I get here? Just get a schooner glass. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I've ever known. Uh, I think it was Corona back then and I was a VP, man. Yeah. <laughs> I know I know now that it's gone gluten-free, that beer. <laughs> Is it Corona? Oh, there's yeah, everything's gone ale and gluten free and sugar free and hang on, VB's gone. No, gluten-free. I'm just saying like the, oh, Corona, you, yeah. I'm just saying that Corona and VB were like the, the marquee yeah. beers back then. Yeah. So um and then I'm sitting, they said, Look, would you like to have dinner with us? And I said, Yeah, yeah, sweet, I'll I'll have dinner with you. And I remember Joel Engington looking at me, um, and he's like, Do I know you from somewhere? And I said, I don't know, mate, I'm a lifeguard. <laughs> he goes, Yeah. I drowned down at Tamarama. I think you rescued me. Like, so I'm going, oh, this is like, we're talking, this is like 22 years ago. Yeah. So he's just started out in his, you know, TV career. He's going out with Kathy Freeman. I went, yeah, that's right. I don't remember it. He's telling me, he goes, I was up on a mossy ledge up in the corner of the rocks at Tamarama. I'm going, yeah, we get lots of people in trouble there. And he goes, are you sure it was me? He goes, yeah, I remember it was you. You rescued me. So I said, no worries, you know. So we had, I had dinner with him. And um, yeah, it's good. Good memories at Qantas. Does he? Um, because that was that's before the show and and the fame there. So he remembered your face. I suppose you're the yes. You're before the angel. Bondi Rescue, yeah. And then I stayed. So I did a year on contract as a face of Qantas, and then I, I went into cabin crew for about eight years, and yeah, seven years actually. So and then they had to fire you from impregnating all the other waitresses. <laughs> like we don't have a workforce, <laughs> mate. <laughs> And it was, I was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Actually, now that my dad's passed, because dad worked, you know, with the CEO, and I never forget, I was I was doing business. We'll call it business. Um, it wasn't an endorsement. It was business. <laughs> and he was over, it was called the Qantas QCC building and the chairman, you know, CEO's office was up there. And I remember being over and, you know, over doing business, you know, making sure that all the flights took off on time. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember saying, can you open the windows up in the CEO's office, you know? And he's going, yeah, sure, son. And he's, he's I remember pulling her across and I'm just giving him the thumbs up from the holiday in across the road. <laughs> I said, Dad, that's the spirit of Australia, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, good. What, I, go, I just want to go back to the, getting the job. Why would they ask cabin crew if they know the stock price? Yeah, well, because it, it, 
when I suppose I can see the point now, right? Because at a time, Qantas was an Australian company, right? And then all of a sudden, it becomes the shareholders' company. So you're invested in actually the shareholders of the company. You know, I think uh, uh, Qantas had forty nine percent, and the shareholders had fifty one percent. So I understand it's about you know the money for shareholders. So it's about knowing the brand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess, Being invested yeah. in it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which is you know like for a young guy, you're not. I've got no idea. You know, like I literally. No clue. Nah. No, I mean, I should have rang Mark Boris. <laughs> <laughs> Mark would have helped me out. We were actually talking about him the other day. We got Gary Jubelin, the, the ex-copper, yep. came in here and we were talking about doing some charity fights and saying he, he fought Mark Boris one time. Yeah, he's fit. Apparently, he's, apparently he can throw him. Yeah, he, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's right. He's his son and him do boxing. That's yeah. right. They're, yeah, they'll be handy with their hands. Yeah. 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 God, I got my first home loan for him. Did you? Yeah. Well, he, he personally funded it. There's a life. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind a rot, but no, no, no. Wizard Home Loans it was, yeah. Oh, true. Yeah. True. Yeah, he's a good bloke. Yeah. So how does it go? I mean, looking up at you reviving people, I would if I've just died, and I don't know, no, I'm dead, I suppose. Well, you could tell us that. Uh, when you wake up, seeing your face, I'd be happy with that, mate. <laughs> how many people have you revived over the year? How many? Res- resuscitated like clinically dead, probably 60 to 70 people over my yeah. career, um, you know, and then I look from Coogee back all the way to the heads, you know, I've had to retrieve, you know, 70 to 80, you know, bodies that have either fallen off by mistake or suicides, you know, I've had double suicides as well. Double suicides? Yeah, double suicides. I had a chick, a uh, lady uh, commit suicide in front of me as well. You know, so I've seen, I've seen a lot. It's a, it's a, it's kind of like it becomes repetitive trauma to a degree, but it's about you know managing that those repetitive traumas, like combative traumas, out on you know on an army field, you know dealing. You know, it's just it's one of those things. Um, has it like, and you look at it, and, you, and I, I speak to you guys, or you know speak to uh, David said, which is an SAS psych, and you know like has it left a mark or, or something on me that um, is is bad. No, I'm actually really humbled to be able to be there for these people. You know, like it feels like I'm kind of chosen to a degree to be able to bring the body in, give it back to the family and, and know that the family, um, I can bring the body back firstly and they don't lose the body or, it, you know, goes under a couple of rocks. But, um, you know, to have that feeling of, you know, maybe being with a loved one for their last heartbeat is, is um, an incredible thing to be able to, mm. Be there, you know. That's beautiful. That's it's like um, my, there was an old old fellow did the same thing, wasn't there? And he used to go down and these up on that, the yeah up the top of the, yeah. the gap there, yeah. And he used to talk them off, you know. And but in my career or you know my lifetime of being around the beach, you know, I've probably stopped four or five people from committing suicide. Yeah, you know. I remember a young bloke was up on the cliff face at, at Bronte about to he had a BB in his hand, a long neck. And I was going for a run. I said, Matt, I called out to him, Matty, how are you, mate? And he said, Yeah, I'm just about to jump. You know, I've, and I've had it happen a couple of times. I've had, I've had lifeguards turn up at the beach saying that you know they're traumatized from doing body retrievals. They're going to commit suicide. You know, so yeah, it's but it's kind of humbling. Touch wood that you're there to help them. Mm. I wonder how that how because you you have the like your you uh, full of energy. You have nothing but positivity and love for everyone you meet. Is, is that, I mean, a shield? Like you know, you have some people that w- could could it could get them down, but just the verbiage and and the sentence you said then 
that is unbelievable. It give you, really gives you a reinvigorates your your faith in humanity. Yeah, well, you, you got. It's, I think it's it's um acknowledging when you 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 are seeing signs. You know, are you, are you healthy? Are you reacting? Are you injured? Are you ill? And being in those phases, you know, and that that might play out its role five times a day. You know, we could walk out of here now, and I get hit with an endorsement deal, and you know that so that might take you to a healthy stage where I can fund my family. But then you get a call straight after it and they might say, hey, listen, you've done something that we, we, we want to look into, you know, just for, you know, as yeah. an example. So you're going to a reactive phase. So this is just general. And, you know, when I meet people, I meet every single person. I meet, like you guys, I mean, politicians, murderers, crims, every single person has come past me in the Eastern Summers. There's no one that I've, I've roomed with a murderer, Tony Hines, that got thrown off the cliff here, you know, he was, you know, one of the, biggest standover man in this country, mm. you know, and I nearly watched him murder two blokes in front of me, you know. And Is he still getting around? No, no, he got, he got murdered himself. He got thrown off the cliff and they oh, right. did a whole bra boy movie about him. Yeah. And this guy, this guy absolutely loved me, you know, because he called me boy band because I was no threat to him. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is, isn't it? I mean, we, 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 not to get too far off topic, but we run into some pretty hardened people. And it's like as soon as you realise that you're on the same level and you're not you're not out to get each other, yeah. instantly everyone becomes a teddy bear. Totally, like, yeah. Like Gawthorne's a perfect example. You run in, he's a mate of ours from from Townsville. You run into him in the street. Most people are crossing the road. Like he's a he's a scary other, looking yeah. dude. You get to know him. Like this guy's got the biggest heart out of anyone I know. Yeah, it's 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 um, it's finding that it's honing in and finding that energy out of someone and being able to relate to them and you know I suppose treat them as a human. Yeah. You know, don't treat them as a threat because, you know, they've all, everyone, every single human's got feelings, emotions, and, you know, they've got to get up and feed themselves and hydrate themselves. So, you know, and it's, a, and finding a common ground is the most important thing, you know, like, no, you know, you, it, money doesn't mean anything to these people. You know, they, they're, if they're under threat, they're going to, they're going to see other threats out there. So, yeah, that's why it's good not being a threat to some of these people. Yeah, boy band. Like yeah, boy band. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to think of it. What's it called? What's it? I want it. Backstreet Boys, yeah. Backstreet Boys. <laughs> so, hey, when we, when one of the first times we met, I think we met at a, a sporty's lunch, but a couple of times after that, I, it had never crossed my mind. Like, I thought we were going to have a chat and, and just catch up about normal shit around town and, and, and what you do on the beach. And then you're like, yeah, no, this mental health stuff, like it means something to me because we'd pull a lot of people, a lot of bodies in that yep. are suicide. And I was like, I never thought, like I grew up on the beach. I was a um, like volunteer At Newcastle? In, in Newcastle, yep. yeah. And that didn't happen up there. Smaller population, probably different headland kind of features. But we were down in Canberra yesterday. Andrew Hastie is one of the uh, ex-SAS guys, a politician now. Um, and we were down there uh, with a family of a young digger that had taken his life a couple of months ago and, and met all the politicians and had a chat. And Hasty was like, we were talking about the beaches around here. And he's like, yeah, my brother killed himself off the, the headland of Bondi. And I was like, fuck, wow. man, that is – it's a, Was his brother a, or his cousin or something? Oh, I hope I haven't butchered the story. I thought he said brother. Anyway, but brother, it, anyway, it, someone like, close to him. And there's a massive like, chance I probably pulled him pulled in. Man, that's what he said. You know, like, I'm going to have to bring it up tomorrow. Yeah. There's a, there's a chance you pulled him in. You know, and – you know, even one of the lifeguards. You know, his mother-in-law. You know, you know. It just it just happens. These these things happen. You know, it's 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 very common. Um, I used to kind of talk about these things as um, I'd never say in a, in a gaslighting form or, or motion. But I says, yeah, you you know what I've done. You know, yep. and and it, now that doesn't really sit well with me. What what I've done. It's it's more ha 
how can I help people? Yeah. You know, how can I help someone? And and I know we're talking about mental health, right? And like, how do we help people with mental health? And I'm thinking, well, okay, you're in a team environment and you, I've been really thinking about this stuff now in your team, you know, how do you, how do you help someone in your team? And I'm thinking it, there's no more important aspect about helping someone is making that person real important and, and loving that person, show that person how much you actually love them, individualize that person. Cause you go, we've got this team, we're all chasing the same common goal, but you really need to be with that person and be in that person's, you know, be really in their mind, help that person. Because if you, all these companies now, I'm working for all these companies everywhere and they get me in to do this motivational speech and they're saying, well, what are we doing? I said, have you guys got a psych, you know, that you all speak to? Yeah, yeah, we've all got, so we've all got these standard operating procedures out there, right? Well, how actually, how important is the person? How important is the person to your company? How important is the person to you? Because we've got these processes and we'll do the processes, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to do the right thing to help them. But how much do you actually want to help the person? And, you know, I used a couple of great examples. I remember um, a guy had floated in at the beach and he, and uh, we, we had to resuss him. One of the young lifeguards has mental health. And he come to me and said, hey, I'm, I'm not, I don't feel good. I'm not feeling good. And I said, so I just spent like half an hour of him hanging out with him, chat to him, trying to just get his kill back in line and make him feel like he is an asset for today. I want to send him home. I'll say this bloke's lost his mind. He, he was in a he was in a, a mind stage, and I wanted to get him out of the mind stage, back in the body. Just yep. get back in the body, get out of the mind. And I got him back in the body. And I had him, and I went up the gym after, and I said, "Man, I'm going up the gym now. Go across and have a swim." He went across and had a swim. I get a call on the radio from the young blokes and said, "We've got someone face down, dead on the beach." Right. So he's become a massive asset. An asset to me is an asset, rich asset. You know, I'm utilizing this bloke to bring this guy back to life. And I'm thinking if I didn't individualize and make this person in a VIP and love him and show him how much of an asset he is, he where, where would he be? He might have taken two weeks off, might have taken his own life, not believed in himself or not believed in the process. You know, so that's something that I'm looking at now and, and they keep going back to team, team, team. And I'm thinking now, no, it's a, they keep saying, I, there's no I in team. Now I think it's more important that we actually go, I, I is the most important thing in the team. It's I, we as a collective and our, our brand, our team. And that's what I think we've got to look at a better package of I, how do I make a difference on this person's life? We together. And then as a team, our package, our brand, we all go as a collective. It's he's more powerful. He's more powerful. We, we need to get you. Come on with us to talk to soldiers. Yeah, that, there is there is a we have we were talking about this all night last night. There is a huge culture problem in the military. A, a recruitment is down. Like no one's joining the military anymore. One of the big reasons is because all the current serving defence members are all miserable. Um, and without healthy and happy people, your your organisation can't function. And I don't think defence is looking at themselves as a corporate model. I mean, in, in in some ways they are, but as far as Corporate, big corporations in 2022, they've come a long way. Like they're bringing people like yep. you in because they understand the need to have healthy, happy people. Um, and yes, that improves the bottom line. That's why it's good for the company. And and defense hasn't really caught on to that. And they're, they're, we were, we're obviously down in Canberra pushing these ideas of going, hey, this tool is not just to keep people out of an early grave. This is to keep people high performing, healthy, and happy. 
and they can't see the link yet. And it's like, we need to get, like Darwin, for example, full of miserable soldiers. They're disconnected mm. from everything. They're isolated. Their, their command structure is just yelling at them to try and squeeze more juice out of them. Yep. They've gone through COVID. They've done the bushfire stuff. They've done the flood stuff. No time off. And then they're like, how come everyone's burning out? It's like, because you're not appreciating the individual human element of your organisation. So yeah, maybe there's something there. Maybe we need to pitch. Let's get Harry's Carol in. Yeah. Pump these bloody diggers. Uh, yeah. You, I mean, we, come on, mate. Use your words. Uh, they used to have a mate called Brock Jamelli. He, uh, he, he worked for Manpower. Oh my dream! That'd be the dream, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> you just got to you just got to work on the high tide, yeah. <laughs> and mate, he uh, he had a similar personality. You, he was infectious. He he would tell people. He would give them compliments when he first met him, and he would. I mean, and but sometimes they were over the top, but he still took the compliment, and it still made you beam. And it's and you just like, and he would say, you know, he'd hang up the phone, and I picked it up. He'd be like. Because I heard your conversation with Adrian the other day and he said, yeah, love you, mate. See you later, you know, love you, love you. And that energy and that uh, just those small little compliments you pay to people just boosts them and gives them and makes them feel like they're an individual and they're super important. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, and it's not – I think some people find it really hard like yep. to uh, boost someone up and make them feel really good. But, you know, like, yes, yeah, so you've got to be humble yourself. It's it, that's that humble. But you also got to, you, you got to have a big element of love for yourself. Yeah. Most important thing because it's, this is like, doesn't matter who you are, everyone's questioning what they're doing. Because you're like a walking computer. So I think it's really important that you just reach out. It's so easy. How easy is it to walk through a gym and eye gaze at someone and say hello? You know? No, you're dead right. It's, it's life changing for people. And then, so I, I used to, with anxiety, right, I used to get in my head a lot and then social anxiety, I'd be walking through that gym 10 years ago and I would have stressed out, wouldn't have wanted to talk to anyone. Uh, and I think when you start to push that love out to other people, it kills that anxiety. So like, oh, I'm happy myself. Yep. And when you know shit, that's what I was saying at the Max the other day, if I get a message from you ever, there's always something in there. I'm like, my days, I'm happy now. Like, <laughs> it works, mate. It works. And we're, we're actively trying. Like my housemate down here, um, every time he gets off the phone to his dad, always both sides, love you, love you. And then I'm like, we start started slowly introducing that <clears throat> into the to the boys. So because we don't catch up with them. Oh shit, I'm gonna choke him. Yeah, we don't catch up, and 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 that's not ingrained, is it? We don't know. And then we started because Ryan was doing it, doing it to his dad, and then every now and then we throw love you, mate. Um, and, and it just makes life better. And it goes back to what you're saying with the young bloke on the beach. It's like people just want to feel valued and loved. Yes. Yeah. As soon as you do, yeah. everything gets better. So we, we're, I mean, and it is a task, especially for blokes, going up to someone who I haven't had that in, kind of interaction with before and saying, love you, mate. Like, yeah, it takes a bit. And this is, this is my goal for the next three months. I was, I was talking to my missus about it. I've never said love you to me. Oh, no, I have. I'm, me and my dad don't have that kind of relationship yeah. as a kid. I actually, I actually cried in front of this chick that I'd been dating for about four weeks. I'm like, ooh, that's a bit, bit early. And it was because she dug, she kept on digging on this point of telling your dad that you love him. Yes. And then it start, I started to unpack it and I was like, ooh, there's, there's some layers here that I might need to process. And I got into it and I was like, that a lot of this issue, drama I have with, with being loving to people is because I didn't have that relationship with my dad when I was a kid. And I was like, all right, I'm going to set myself the challenge. I, sometime in the next three months, I'm going to start saying love you, Dad, every time I leave and just see her response because he's going to be super uncomfortable. I'm like, that's not on me. He'll he'll get to it. 
And then I went home because I've got two little kids. I was up there the other day and as we're leaving, I said, I said to the kids, go and, go and tell Nani and Pop you love them. And mum, mum's like, good luck getting da- your dad to say it back. He hasn't said it to me before either. And I was like, fuck, this is deep. So now I'm like kind of hesitant. I'm like, I've got to figure out a way to start saying love you, dad, to try and get him to start saying it back. But to a, a, a European-born man who's never said the word in his life, I think it's a bit of a challenge. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it's got to happen. Yeah, you got to do it. 100%. It makes, it makes life yeah. better. Yeah, because it's like it's it's not only just facing something that is actually true because you you love him, you adore him. Yeah, you know, maybe write it down. Yeah, write it down. Let him read it in front of you. Yeah, you know, like because I know with my old man, he, he every day he'd say, "I love you, mate." Proud of you, you know. Yeah, and you say it's like he, yeah, no, it's it's very important. He brought you into this world. You got to do everything, yeah, you know, and, and, and look this. Yes, it's a. We look at there's pros and cons to everything and no one's perfect. We're definitely not perfect, you know what I mean? Like you go, well, they could have done this better, but I'll tell you what, they did a whole barrel of other stuff that just outweighs that bad stuff, yeah. you know? If you've got a measuring cup out, it's just going to be outweighed all the time with all the stuff that they've done. And the biggest thing, you know, we've had to clean our kids' backsides, right, and they did it for us, Yeah, you know? Mate, if that's not love. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing, right? So I, I know clearly there is there is it's an emotional bond between me and him, and but it's just a word he's never never said. And I'm like, I know, he, I know, he, it feels it. I'm just, I've got to get him to start verbalizing it, or I've got to do it first, because I know for a fact, like every generation, especially the old Europeans, he was kind of hard on me as a kid. Like made me start yep. doing work around the house, at like the, as soon as I could walk, raking leaves at the age of five. But and I look back at it now, I'm like, that was great. I'm like, if I think he was hard on me, imagine what his dad was like to him living in Switzerland through just after World War Two and yeah. stuff like that. Yes. I'm like, this is what this is why he's not comfortable with it because clearly his dad never showed any affection to him whatsoever. And I'm like, someone's got to break that cycle, or it's going to just keep going on and on and on. And and it's from the era they they don't talk as much as as we talk now. So we obviously vent. You know, to, to we vent so we can harness the energy out of venting, so we can even our keel back up. So yeah, you get you you know, you know he's going through his own thing too. You know, so then you've got to acknowledge that, you know, because he he won't want to bring it up with you. He won't definitely. No, won't. no. If no. I leave it to him, it's never going to happen. No. And he's not getting any younger. And because well, he's one of his good mates um, passed away, and like he's so we, we live two doors apart. Um, Parents, obviously good mates, had kids at the same age. So me and my sister were the same age as him and his sister. Yeah, so his, his old man died um, last week. And and I know, like, it makes it real. My, my old man's still in shock. He's like, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. I'm that age now. Like, it's going to start at me. I'm like, I've got to start telling my dad I, I, I love him before it's yeah. too late. So, yeah, that's my that's my goal for the next three months is to ease into it and make it a daily thing. You know, another thing, like, that's really important because you, you – you know, love's incredible, right? But you actually tell them what you love about it. And I mean, and this comes from <laughs> birds around here. You know, it's just, you know what I love about you? And they'd say, what? And you'd say, everything. <laughs> but, you know, if you're, write it down, write it down. And it's like, wow, this is just like, it's just, it's just breaking ground. You know, it's just, it's just so different. 
And I know for a fact, like my dad, the military, I remember when he got his first toe taken off and he's in hospital, said, how do you feel? And he said, there's nothing wrong with me. I said, but oh, I can get you some painkillers, you know, I'll look after you. There's nothing wrong with me, mate. I've got to walk the dog. <laughs> you know, so they're just so their mindset is completely different to us. I'm, you know, if, if we lost it, Tal would be thinking, it'll be the end of it. Yeah. Bring ScoMo up now, try and get a couple of weeks off. <laughs> Actually, we'll probably head over to Waikiki with him for that last holiday <laughs> uh, just before the bushfires. <laughs> Do you get a turn? <laughs> yeah. I don't know oh, those, mate. Yeah. <laughs> because that's, um, I, I, I was. I was chatting to the missus and that, and uh, we were just discussing. I was like, we might as well just have a big therapy session. Um, I had uh, it was love languages, right? And they said some people express, you know, love and receive love differently. And, and I heard the book a couple of years ago, and I was like, right, what's going on here? Some people like to hear, like, verbal affirmations of love. Some people like physical acts. Some people like you doing things for them. And so you, if you're sitting in a relationship, you're like, yeah, but I tell you I love you all the time. And like, I don't give a fuck. Wash the dishes. That's how you tell Shut me you love me, you know? like, And it was just this weird thing of, of opening that conversation. But I think the start of that, it's always uh, yeah, it's always a tough road to sort I, of go down. Mate, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm convinced with that love language stuff. There's like five of them. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think they're designed for men. I think men get one and women get five. Get five. Because I was like, no shit. I mean, I, I – the affirmations, one, telling people, I think is the most important. Yeah. Because I, I was talking to Sophie the other day and she's like, no, no, quality time. I'm like, cool. And then I didn't speak to her um, for a day and then she's like, but I need you to talk to me. I'm like, oh, well, there's, that's affirmations as well. So that was, <laughs> yeah. And it's like birthdays come up. It's like, well, you can get me a big present. It's like, well, all right, gifts as well. That's three. I've got to do all three of them. I think to keep chicks happy, you got to tick all do five all of five. the boxes. But for dudes, yeah, I don't know what my – I still don't really know what mine is. I, I did Kane. I was one of my mates, Kane. He goes, oh, I'm not going to bother doing that shit, mate. I don't know what my love language is. It's touching and, and hers is gifts. So we barter in the middle, mate. If I want to have sex, <laughs> I'll buy her a wedding ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, men, yeah, we're like dogs, aren't we? They just, you know, we'd like a scratch. You just lay on your back and get a scratch where, yeah. you know, women are a lot more sophisticated and, you know, they've got kind of that cat, yeah. cat like. You know, they'll do what it takes, you know, yeah. whereas we're just easy with, you know, which I understand that's why we've got to work with the sophisticated feline, yeah, make yeah. sure we get, you know, look after them and they want that. You, you know, this it's amazing that they, they're different. They want, they want to look good. So they need the reassurance from us, which is so important. They need touch, you know, because if we don't, exactly, if you don't touch, I'm, I mean, my wife is stunning. I'm so bloody lucky and she's an amazing person. She said, that's the first time you touched me in two days. I'm like, there's, there's no one, you know, there's no one else. It's yeah. just you. But they they, rem <laughs> they remember these things. Yeah. They remember everything. They yeah, do. So, it, yeah, it's, it's important. We have to, like, yeah, get, get out of our zone and just step out of that little shell and go, right, okay, these, they're a creature of habit. We have to help them more. You know, yep. be there. Give them everything they want. You know, because we can't live without them. Yeah. We need them. They're way more sophisticated than us. They should be running America, although we do love Trump. You signed a few political gags in there. It's good. Just talking about how you, because I grew up different homes or like quite regularly, so never had a, a secure, like a set place growing up. And watching how we, where you grew up, you know, in Dudley and that, and, and 
like all the families get together. It's almost like neighbors, you know, or Ramsey Street. You know, everyone sort of gets along, and they're all out and they they're friends. They they have a tribe and a community. Is that what it was like for you growing up? You were a Bronte boy, were you? Or yeah, or? so Clovellian Bronte boy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I grew up literally surfing at Bronte from the age of 12, but we used to always go over there, Clovelly, um, you know, of all the crooks from the eastern suburbs. Yeah, what was it like? <laughs> like you were talking about that just before we, we sort of press record. Obviously, Coogee Diggers is, is a fine establishment now, but it was a bit rough back in the day. Oh, it was amazing. It's was so good because so I used to come here and train here like, you know, well, yes, 28 years on the beach, right? So 28 years ago I was coming here, you know, three times a week at least to do my swim training here in the pool, you know, and, and every underworld crook come here, they were great, you know. <laughs> so you, you form a relationships with these blokes and the next thing you're getting a handful of Mac Freeze handed across because it's, <laughs> 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 you know, so, you know, they were great. It's great growing up with all this different type of character in the eastern suburbs, you know. Um, yeah, they're colourful and, the, you know, there's so many amazing stories of, People always like look at these people, I suppose, that stick out and they go, Oh, that's a bad person. But I actually see a lot of good in these people, not 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 evil, you know. They might do their own thing off to the side, but it's what I see and what picture that's painted in front of me, um, you know, is is a lot of good. People probably wouldn't agree with me on a lot of stuff, but um, you know, I remember someone like John Abraham, legend. Right, and I'll say that people say, well, you know, he, he might be Teflon John or a different type of character. You know, I'm at Bondi and I remember a lady with a pram, she busted her back really bad. He was like having a sunbake at North Bondi. I'm at North Bondi at the same time and, you know, we picked this lady. No one else come around, you know. No one's wanted to help this lady out. You know, we picked this lady up. She's got the pram with the baby. You know, she's in debilitating pain. You know, and, and he's got her with me and we carried her up. And, you know, I said, thanks so much, mate. You know, he didn't have to do it. You know, he's a big chance he could have been in a picture down there on UK Mail or something else. Yep. You know, and he, he just did it. And it's about like, you know, just acting before even thinking. You know, he just, you know, and I go, well, in my eyes, that's a, that's that's a good bloke. A good bloke. Absolutely. You know, it's a top bloke. Did he grow up around? Did he, was he, is he around here? Is he yeah. Here? He's, a, yeah. He's, and he's always around Bondi. And, you know, he's a, yeah. Really nice bloke. Always got a smile on his face, you know, but they paint a different picture. But the character and the painting that I see is completely different to someone that's probably got no evidence or knowledge. They're just, you know, taking it from the media. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, mate. They're, 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 they're individual human elements to all people. You find out that, that even what the worst people in the world have, have still got big, good hearts. Um, and, and I look at it now and go, look, the, the big successful underworld characters are identical to politicians and big corporate CEOs. Like they're all going in the same direction. They, they're very motivated to hustle and make money and gain yeah. power. A handful of them just chose to do it in a way that is not different. legal. Yeah. Like well, different. That's the thing, isn't it? Like I, I don't think there's many rich families on the planet that got there just by doing the right thing. No, like, no you know, not one. There's a nah. – it was just um, musical chairs. They were the last ones to do it before it was made illegal or they just did it while it was illegal and didn't get caught, you know what I mean? Yeah, and there's a a, a, fun, a good story this. Uh, actually, and I haven't told this before. And So there's a guy named Vladimir Dijemez. Um, you know, people might be Googling this right now and I was actually trying to find his name on Google the other day and he come down the beach, followed me along the promenade. This is quite funny and and he's got a ponytail and he, I'm thinking he's Russian. I'm thinking, what's he want? He said, oh, I want you to go to my daughter's birthday. So I went 
Uh, so I said, mate, yeah, no worries, no worries. Look, I've got a manager. You have to go for him a manager because I'm thinking this guy, I don't know anything about this bloke. Never You're seen around like a lampshade. Yeah, yeah. So it's at the icebergs and I said, contact me, manager. You know, and I, anyway, I went there in my lunch break to this to 21st of his daughter's birthday. Um, he rang me the day before and said, what are you going to wear? I said, I'll wear whatever you want me to wear. I wear a, so I wear a suit. He's hired out the whole icebergs. Um, I said, how long do you want me there? He said, just two minutes. Just say, you know, thanks, Mary Val. Um, happy birthday. Happy 21st. And I gave her a Bondi rescue shirt and um, you can be on your way. So I've gone in and said, happy, happy 21st, right? And there's probably 30 people in the room um, upstairs and, and um, he said, do you want to stay for five minutes? I said, yeah, why not? I sit down. So I sit down. There's politicians there, surgeons. Um, I think, what's he, what do you do for work? And he said, I sell paint. <laughs> okay. So I'm thinking, oh, my God, what type of paint do you sell? Do you sell paint to Bunnings and Mitre 10? Like, what, Dulux? What do you sell? And he said, no, no, I sell like Osman 52, I think it's called. And I said, what's that? He said, oh, mate, I've been, I sold the paint for the, all the stealth bombers, $36,000 a gram. <laughs> right. So I'm thinking, what the hell is this? And he goes, mate, I was, you know, best mates of Alan Bond. You know, awesome. I'm going, oh my God. I'm, and I'm thinking, how does he know all these surgeons, politicians, and everything? So I'm thinking, how is this true? Anyway, I went and Googled it straight away, and it says like Australian Russian billionaire tries to do six billion dollar deal with Vladimir Putin. Yeah. Straight away. <laughs> so like I'm telling my family, because I got some family that are that are bankers. I said, do you know this part? They're like, Harry, stay away. <laughs> this guy is salt of the earth, you know, yeah. salt of the earth, right? And it's just a couple of examples of what he's done. Um, I'm teaching Pilates at the Opera House, right? So I've got big classes of Pilates at the Opera House. He rings me and says, hey, I'm, I'm just here. See, I can see you. And I said, oh, okay, come and say hi. He goes, no, I can't. I've got to put my phone down actually. And I said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm here to see Obama when Obama's here, right? I said, he knows everyone. He's like, he's, you know, he's friends with Scott Morris and, and his wife and he's just, you know, everyone. He knows everyone obviously that, you know, with the dealings that he does. And I said, how did you make the money originally? Their family sold warfare. They're a royalty family from Russia and they were selling tanks and military firearms, you know, and he said, you know, we made a lot of money before the 80s, you know, millions and billions of dollars before the 80s and, we didn't want anyone killed anymore, so we stopped doing that, you know, and I do oil and gas now. And so, I've, you know, I've become good friends with him. He's, I start doing more work for him. Um, he's giving me money to, you know, to to fund charities, you know, kids in wheelchairs. He said, Harry, just give them the money, you know. My daughter, his daughter's a, a Russian gymnast, um, you know, she should do these big displays with all her gymnastics people and I'm giving money to these charities and it's just like, my God, he's turned me in, like I'm like an angel yeah. doing all this stuff. And I still don't know if I believe it all. I'm like, what the hell, you know? And then he invites me around for his, to his house for, for Christmas and um, he pulls out all these books, you know, and, and all the politicians, you know, in Australia have got, got him in their books, you know. <laughs> he brought to Highness Vladimir Dijemets telling me everything. I said, he was a boxer. I'm going, God, you, and he's pulling out pictures. I said, who used to box? He said, look at the pictures. I used to go to all the prisons throughout New South Wales and I used to go and box all the prisoners. <laughs> he's got <laughs> amazing man. Yeah. I could get him in here to chat to you guys. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah. Yeah, that would be good. You know? on to tell some stories. A Russian billionaire. That'd and be his right. wife is like, oh, sorry, his daughter, I should say, is just 
you know, she's gorgeous, absolutely. Yeah. So and I'm thinking, does he want me to marry the daughter? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember saying to my wife, and she, they're just beautiful. They are salt of the earth, yeah. you know. And um, you know, he's he's he really, literally, he just helps people. He he's not he's no gaslighter or he doesn't want anyone really knowing what he does. But he's beautiful. Yeah, he's actually on, he's on Bondi. He was on Bondi Rescue once too. Was he? <laughs> he's on Bondi Rescue. Where he jumped in the the buggy. Um, God, this is so actually. Great stories, and I've ne- I haven't told these stories to anyone. Um, jumped in the buggy to say hello. We had a couple of Russian friends on the beach, right? It, it was a quiet day. I get a call on the radio, and they said, get down to the southern end of the beach. There's someone in trouble. Normally, you just get on the PA and call them in. He's sitting in the buggy. on the, the Cameras are everywhere, right? And I've had to jump out, go rescue this bloke, and he's like got his phone. Oh, my God. You know? <laughs> so he's filming me. He's on Bondi Rescue in the buggy. I pull the person back in. He's going, this is crazy. And he, and I remember him saying to me, you won't believe what I've just been doing because he was on the phone doing business, right? He's gone in chatting to me and he goes, hey, you know, like I've just, um, you know, done this deal while being in the buggy. And I go, what happened? He goes, well, a country was, you know, going under into bankruptcy and a couple of Russian billionaires or people from around the world floated this company to, to, country to get the economy back up to a place of standard. And he's, you know, so he in, invested, I won't say the amount, he invested a some billions of dollars yeah, yeah. and he received this amount back. Yeah, he's not investing in companies, he's investing in, in countries. countries. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, he, he also told me openly um, about not so much about coronavirus about, you know, China and that. He just uh, he showed me, showed me paperwork from, I won't say which house, but a house. Yeah. Showed me the paperwork and said that uh, America and China will definitely um, have, a go, at each have other. a go at each other. This is this is before COVID-19. Yeah. Guaranteed. Seen it. i seen the paperwork. Let's wait, we got to get this bloke on. I love, yeah, you, I love a cons- good conspiracy so, theory. Yeah. And, um, the, 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 and we went to his house. He lives out west, right? So, um, and like, you know, I suppose any, any billionaire would live on the coastline. He could live anywhere he wants, right? And he's so beautiful. He just loves his daughter, right? So, he's, and I said, where she went to school down at the end of the road? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I bought every house on that side of the road to the school. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell his other stuff, but I can't tell you on the podcast. Yeah, 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 too, too much away, but it's uh, he's, and my wife, you know, like she she's only ever ever seen like a, a Labrador or a poodle, right? And he's he's got three big Rockweilers at the house. <laughs> One's called Bobcat. <laughs> he sounds like a legend. Yeah, yeah, I definitely would like to get him in for his. Yeah, yeah, because he did stuff for the Australian military too. You know, like um, exporting, importing all the stuff and helping them out. You know, so yeah, he'd, he'd love to chat to you guys. Oh yeah, God, I, I mean, I've only, I've met a few. There's a fair few Russians in the eastern suburbs, um, and all the this. I met a couple before um, Russia Ukraine kicked off, and they're like nicest people. Uh, there's a bloke working at it at the moment. Actually, I'm not sure if he's Russian or where, where he sounds like it. Great people, and then as soon as it kicks off in the in Russia Ukraine, everyone's like, oh, getting. Sketchy of hanging out with Russians. I'm like, I haven't met him. Actually, no, I was about to say I haven't met a bad one. There's a couple of old fellas that sit up in the bloody sauna and, this- <laughs> and just get grumpy at the world. I'm like, they're, they're probably not too friendly, but every other Russian I've been around here, a good, great, huh? great lads. Yeah, a lot of Russian Jews around here, you know. 
and like a, you know, I would go into your prank call and you know, it was just if there was ever like a, a big do on, you know, and there's always a, a customer care center where you can ring and you know, I'd love to always ring in and say, Hello, I'm trying to find my cousin Yurik. <laughs> he is a cosmonaut. We cannot relocate him. Can you help me? My name is Vladimir. Please help me. <laughs> and they're like, Okay, so, so Vladimir, how are we supposed to find Yurik? I said, I don't know. He he was about 24 kilometers from Chernobyl. Got nuclear. Too much time, mate. Too much time. Prank calls in decades. <laughs> <laughs> no, the last last prank calls I did was a uh, barber shopping people, or just or get you know phoning up the the local bars and getting them to do return phone calls. Or they got some pretty sophisticated ones now. Hey, so they do um. Put an, you put an ad out on Gumtree for, for you know, selling selling my car for a thousand bucks, you know, brand new Hilux. And you put the phone, and you reckon boys were getting hundreds of phone calls a day. Like, I stitched something up. Yeah. yeah. I just thought of something for you. This is good for the military. Okay. Down at the National Park. All right. I don't know this person, by the way, but down at the National Park, there was a sign up and it says, um, we're, we're in a stage of culling of, of deers and that down at the National Park. So a mate of mine, I don't know who it is, but he, he he's really good at playing roles and he's like, so you ring up the National Park, hello, it's Hank. And, <laughs> yeah, what would you like, Hank? Hello, I'm, I'm from Colorado here. I just want to let you know you've got a problem. The deer is down there, the culling. I'll bring my AK-47 in and I'll get rid of your problem down there. We can actually take the whole mountain out. <laughs> 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 and what, what response does he get? <laughs> Hank, how did you get an AK-47 into the country? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not giving any, way, any trade secrets anymore. <laughs> I just know that you've got a hard-hoofed animal down there in the National Park and I'll get rid of it for you. <laughs> <laughs> Probably in the wrong game, eh? <laughs> Yeah, well, you got a bit of acting in there. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! So I mean, with Bondi, is is that is that they redoing that this year, twenty twenty two? Yeah, is so going to keep cracking on. Hopefully, they'll come back this yep. year. So that'll be what eighteen years of Bondi Rescue. Yep. Which is yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, long long journey, amazing. So like seventy million views a month on YouTube alone. Yep. Um. Yeah, and it's in every country in the world. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking at some stats. I couldn't believe. And were you one of the first? Yeah, yeah. I literally, I was part of actually getting the show. Yep. Yeah. So uh, a guy walked up to the tower, and we're, so we're, we're going for the show, trying to get the show. Um, ben Davies is the he was the uh, the guy that come up with the concept and idea. We did a skit reel. You remember? We we're all nuts. You know, wild, and I'm thinking it's going to last two shows for sure before you know one of us end up in the paper. Um, I'm personally thinking this is going to be great. I'm going to get I'm going to get some a couple of extra uh, romantic pashes down at the Coogee Bay Hotel out of this, you know. <laughs> but I'm thinking it'll be a 15 minute you know in and out thing, and you'll be you know no one will know you again, so the fame will be over pretty quick once they work us out. Guy knocks on the door, so. He knocks on the door and he says, hey, I see a big shark out off the point. We all start laughing our head off because, you know, we're thinking it's a seal. It could be a washed-up tire or something. He said, no, mate, I'm a fish. I a massive shark out there. 
So I went out on the jet ski on the shark. There's probably 150 to 200 people on the headland at uh, Marks Park. Mackenzie's up on the top and they're all waving and I'm waving back at them with another guy on another jet ski um, and a great white come up between the two jet skis. And, um, you know, I'm sitting like two metres from a 20-foot great white and um, they got a picture and this picture went worldwide. And it was at the time we're trying to get the show. So, you know, and I'm just thinking about this because – uh, you know, I walk in here now and, you know, I always used to listen to John Laws as a kid when I was a landscaper, you know, <laughs> golden tonsils. And um, <laughs> John Laws rings me and I'm in the gym at North Bondi training in the old surf club at North Bondi and, and Mr. Laws rings me and he says, so, Mr. Carroll, what did you see out in the water? And I said, Mark my words, Mr. Laws. We've got a predator amongst us. <laughs> 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 I'll never forget it. And, um you know, so that was the that got us over the line. So, uh, Channel Nine was run by Kerry Packer at the time, and Dave Gingell. Ginge, I don't know if you Dave Gingell was Kerry Packer's godson. We grew up with Ginge, right? So he's a Bondi boy surfer legend. He was the he was the CEO of Channel Nine. He had a falling out with his godfather, so he went to Granada in America. So we couldn't get Bondi Rescue on Channel Nine. Channel Seven weren't interested. I think they did a a different kind of spin off show. Channel 10, one of the managers was interested. Two of them were said, oh, we're umming and ahhing. And then the shark come up and, you know, it was, it was everywhere. And it was like the headline because I said, you know, to all the media, the people were up on the headland and they were screaming like monkeys because they're all going, yeah, like they're all pointing and, I, you know, and I'm waving back at them. So, yeah, we got the show over and the first show we're all in the uh, Beatro Hotel and we're all watching, you know, I'm, I'm just obviously thinking this is going to be great, you know. And it, you know, this, we're going, <laughs> and I remember just being on camera. There's 300 people watching Bondi Rescue. I'm thinking, I can't believe I'm on a TV show. And it just says, you know, they're talking about this shark. And they said, So what did you see? And I said, I seen this big fin, the fin's standing, you know, this high out of the water. And at any stage, the shark could have jumped straight into my hairstyle. (laughs) (laughs) And I just remember the whole place just losing it in laughter, you know, the first episode of Bondi Rescue and that was like, wow. I was still doing cabin crew at the time with the lifeguards and, um, you know, the second series of the show, it started to take off. You know, it was getting two million views and, you know, from there we got we won six Logies. Um, You know, it was down to Logies again this year. We got nominated again. We've been nominated like ten times or something like that or more. So yeah, it's been a great, great. I role. can't believe how just how how much it's just it's almost just it's uh, Bondi Rescue neighbors not anymore uh, home and away. It's like three iconic. They are the three iconic Australian it's shows. It's amazing. Aren't they? Yeah, it's, and, you get seen. It, everyone knows you. Well, that's that's you what know? I was going to say. That's, that's one of Australian tourism's biggest draw cards. Is that show? Like, it's, I, it's, I mean, I didn't grow up around here, but Bondi's fame. Bondi was yeah. like known as like yeah it was, it's a cool spot to go it's, it's a known beach in Australia but as soon as that show kicks in it's like people are flying to Australia just to go to Bondi Beach to yeah, hopefully run into the boys yeah. yeah yeah you never know you end up on a date with them or get rescued by them or yeah. they might give you a band aid <laughs> <laughs> or a kiss yeah yeah um, so because how do you starting you eighteen years now you've been a lifeguard for even longer. How do you keep fit and stay in shape? Because you're in tremendous shape, mate. How do you- 46, yeah, yeah. 46. Um, yeah, so I'm still training twice a day at this age, you know, like um, 
Yeah, look, I'm still running heaps. Um, touch wood, like you know, I'm still surfing. I won the Australian titles in the Opens for surfing for my sixth Australian title surfing. You know, so like I, I'm out there. I'm out surfing nonstop. I surf every day if there's waves, and which is you know pretty much five six days a week. I surf, uh, run probably four times a week. You know, like my background was, I was second in the world as a two kilometer beach runner. You know, yeah. and then you know I've won probably thirty Australian Masters titles in. Um, Ironman board paddling, surfing, you know. So, yeah, you become that's sort of getting back to that product of your environment. You know, I'm doing it. I'm a Pilates teacher, so I'm still teaching three sessions a week. You know, so I'm, today I just come back from a ski paddle. I paddled to uh, from Bondi, so Bronte over to Bondi out to sea. I did 55 minutes. You know what I mean? I'll do Pilates to Savo. You'd have to do some Pilates in here. But the yeah, mental. Yeah. And, and, you know, so just, yeah, fit, fitness, um, obviously gym, you know, like, you know, st- study-wise, but, you know, what I did, I studied with Dr. Stuart McGill. So Dr. Stuart McGill is the leading spinal spe- specialist in the world. If anyone wants to check him out, he's from Canada. Um, he has over 250 evidence and, and science-based studies on, on clinical work in the gym. You know, he's, he's pretty much worked with, you know, I think 60 or 70 Olympic athletes and, and hundreds of people in his career. Um, he's written 16 books for physios, osteos. You know, there's, I know you've got some physios here, be mm. fit. So, you know, looking at those clinical exercises to get you back on, on deck. Um, and then I worked with another guy called Gray Cook, who's a physio, functional movement systems, and he does a lot of stuff with the NFL. So, you know, like mobility, stability, prime moving kind of movements. So, yeah, looking at different stuff. Yeah, and that that mobility, stability stuff, and Pilates, you find absolutely find utility in that. Yeah, totally. So you know, like, it, and it's like breaking it down. If someone's walking in the gym here, you know, it's like, what element of mobility do you need to to lift up? You know, that there's there's laws of you know that say you know you should you know the rotation through the midsection of spine. You should be fifty degrees of midsection rotation. You know, especially for me or surfing. Right, gym here, you need 15 degrees of extension to get, you know, 170 degrees up over the head, you know, if you're lifting overhead. Um, ankle mobility is another thing, ankle hip mobility, all these things. There's degrees of motion or movement and you can get that quite quick, either rolling, active movements, you know, to get – but everyone should be doing it. And I was, you know, doing this work with the Wallabies when I did some of the courses. They weren't – all their screening, they screened them, everyone, and that's – you know, elite athletes should be doing or, or just us guys walking into the gym, you should have a quick assessment of screening and then do your movements. Definitely, you know, otherwise you'll be carrying a dysfunction and it's going to be ongoing, that dysfunction, so you want to fast track it. Oh, mate, I, I am the perfect candidate and that's what I'm just starting to realise that Pilates is something I've got to get into my life. Uh, and I do, I use those physios out here because they're, they're great at what they do. But that's it's fairly common with soldiers, especially dudes in the infantry and or combat corps, just carrying too much weight. And as as you get older and don't pay attention to mobility, hips and knees, yeah, just seize up. Yeah. So and then the hips are a precursor of the hip or the ankle, right? So if you if you did look at the functional foot or you look at the boot that a, an army person is wearing, right? So is is their foot going to anatomically move? you know, through the big toe. So that's got to flex at 50 degrees plus for the knee to come forward at 45 degrees, right? And if you're not getting that, the glute's not going to fire. So you're going to have amnesia in the glute area, which is going to, 
you'd load it. So motion, movement, posture, load. So if you're compromising motion, posture, and load with a pack, backpack, foot, foot's not going through its anatomical range, so lower back issues straight away. And that, that is my story, absolutely. Neck, I, I neck no, shoulder. no glute and, and hamstring development. So I've got fairly flat feet. Um, didn't I'm, I'm relearning how to walk now. Yes, flat flat feet. I, I was looking at your feet, you know, when we're down in barefoot, so obviously great, but, yeah, it's, it's training because your big toe is connected to your glutes. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. The, and that big toe function. So it doesn't matter if you're like – and I've been extremely lucky over my 12 years of doing this. I've worked with – some of the best clinicians in the world, you know, like people go, oh, so yeah, Dr. Shoot McGill, that's, yeah, he was in all my manuals. I worked with an osteopath that trained Tiger Woods back to playing golf and winning a major. These are the people, you know, these are the products that I've, I've trained with, you know, I worked with the Wallabies, um, you know, so doing all this different stuff. I've been so lucky. Yeah. Uh, one of the local physios down the road here played for the Wallabies, Tim Wright, you know, so he's, he's and they're all good at something, you know what I mean? I'm good at group classes. Um, you know, down the road, he's amazing. He's lower back dysfunctions. He just looks at, he's really good with glutes. These guys here might be really good. They've, everyone's got their cookie cutting stuff, but what you're an expert in, you know what yeah. I mean? So it's, and then necks, necks and shoulders, you know, I send people to, for necks and shoulders to a, a guy that worked with the New Zealand cricket team because, you know, that bowled yeah. the ball all the time. So, you know, different dysfunction, you send different people in different areas. Yeah. And everyone's a little different too. Yeah, you yeah, know, I don't have my my missus gets in me all the time. I have a lower back extension. It's no, there's no ass, there's no glutes, it, there's no hamstrings. It's all just it's just quad and calf. Like it's yeah, shocking. So the, there's yeah. no engagement. That's at right. All. So yeah, your quad, your quad and your calf are going to override that that gluteal area, especially if they are tight through the you know through your hip flexor. And then it's either upstream or downstream. You know, you're gonna you know that hip flexor connects right up into here, but it, it's it's only a part. So we've got to get away from like really thinking about the muscle, you know, it's a, a, everything's a pattern, Yeah, and that's you know. So don't, like Pilates is good. I did, I spent a year studying Pilates, you know, I've roared it or kissed someone somewhere to get me way through traffic my whole life. Some wrought. When I had the kids, I thought I've got to do this right, right. So I, I studied Pilates. I spent like literally a whole year studying just Pilates, just floor mat Pilates. I did reformer six days a week but I studied just Matt Pilates, all right? It is a good ingredient and it's a, it, it can supplement the fact. Remember what I was saying about having a mobility pathway. So you could do Pilates, but we've got to look at creating a mobility pathway before doing it. Otherwise, we're smacking out. It's called smacking out the glutes. So we awaken the glutes, right, but we still have a stiffness or dysfunction. So we must, like, assess that dysfunction open it up. And we're not talking about hours either, working like doing about 11 minutes of mobility to create the pathway to create the stability. Mate, and that's that's half the time I'm in the gym now is just that. It's, it's coming in and doing 15, 20 minutes of Pilates style. I mean, some days it is actual stuff that I picked up from Pilates. Other days it's uh, exercises the physios give me, but it's very similar. It's, yep. all, it's all to activate glutes and get them actually working again. And that's it. And then I'll just go and sit in the sauna. Whereas and my the young male mindset for mine was back in the day, if I'm going to the gym, I'm lifting the, lift. the most weight I can yeah. possibly lift. I want to walk out of there jacked and, and sweaty. Whereas now I'll do that maybe once a week now. Yeah, um, right. Okay. I'm slowly getting far more functional. Functional yeah. and you'll be and then you'll be able to lift more. Because yeah. load is a massive factor, you know, to to get stronger, to build to build the glutes and to build that powerhouse, you know. 
but not looking at a muscle, look at, you know, like the, look at the torso as a function. That's, mm. that's, that's not, there's no, you know, core, tra- they're talking about the transverse abdominus, a, a muscle that you've all heard of and that, that was a big player in the, in the physio world. If oh, the transverse abdominus isn't working, that the rest of the body, but the diaphragm, you need the diaphragm to get that muscle working. You need that to switch the whole torso on. So it's looking at it as a, a structure. It's heaps more important. Mm. The big toe is connected to your pinky finger on the opposite side. <laughs> the superficial back line, the bottom of your toe is connected to the top of your eyebrow here. Then you've got the lateral slings of the body. So you have to work them in those ranges. So where, where are you learning all this stuff? Because that you're starting to blow me away, the, the amount of information. Well, you're, you're a no, bloody Jedi. Yeah. Oh, no, but I st- like I studied with like, you know, I've got a, I had a mentor that's incredible but he, and he's good, he's good at what he does but um, I've studied so much, different, some, you know, like I studied with the Pilates. I've done the Pilates, heaps of Pilates. And Pilates is, is good and it, it feels good and it gives you the feedback. It's not going to fast track you. It's not going to – I teach Pilates. I use the name Pilates. It's not going to fast track you. There's, there's other things out there that will fast track you way better. Everything you do is on one foot, you know, so you got to train on one foot. you got to load the body on one foot. you got to – your balance, stability, you know, you got to do these things that are functional. What is functional? And the best part about what's going on now, there's no guesstimation anymore. There's probes that they're putting on every muscle. So the exercises that I was teaching for the past nine years – I'm walking into the class now saying these are great and it's going to make us feel amazing, like you're going to feel this, right, but there's no science or evidence behind it, all right, so we can we can do this to change it. You know, there's so many things that are just incredible out there now. So you're doing Swiss 8 for the body. You're taking all these different methods, like. Yes, that's a good point. Yeah. Yes, because what happens, right, you get people get caught in a in a phase, Right, so the physio is not going to talk to the osteo. The osteo is not going to talk to the chiro, the physio, right? It's like, hold on, that's it. No, I'm seeing they're, they're asset rich for me, right? And they're all speaking somewhat of a language that is similar, but they've got their own tonal Bible on it. And it's about you harnessing from them what they have and utilizing it. And like, I've got, you know, I've got my own app and that's what I've done. I've just gone, hey, shit, that's amazing. We need to roll. Everyone needs to roll. But what's the science behind rolling? Because some people go, oh, rolling's good. You, you get feedback from the rolling, you know, And but now there's so much different stuff. Yes, we do need active stretching. Yes, we need to load the body in, in a way. We need to do all these things to get the right ingredients. And I, I remember because I so there's a company from Germany called Black Roll and I work for them. So rolling alone will change mobility through the body after two weeks by 7%. You can do yoga, that's going to change it by 8% over two weeks. These are studies that they've done, you know, in hundreds of people, right? And then um, active active movements changes at about 7% again, right? If you um, included all three as an ingredient over two weeks, 21% difference in mobility. In two weeks? In two weeks. People could do that. That is Absolutely. A, so roll, yes, yoga. So- yeah, rolling, yoga, and and active movements like yep. active stretching. Yeah, so that's and because that's what we, that, I mean. That's our end state. The end, and we're still a few years away. But artificial intelligence, kind of machine learning stuff, will help us get there. But we want to be able to get to a point where it's like, this is how to, these are all the one percent ingredients you need yes. to make the perfect human. And totally. it's going to be different for everyone. Yeah, different yes. shapes and sizes and whatever. But that is, <clears throat> that's the goal. And 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 you're hundred percent right. It's hard to get that. When you go to a, 
an expert in a set field because osteos are never going to say, hey, if you want to complement this, go and see the chiro, go and see the physio on your off day. They all like, no, 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 I've got That's right. come to me and I'll solve everything for you and I'm the only one you need to see. It's just not true. Yeah, because it gets back to the frontal lobe. It becomes a threat. Yes, yeah, right? it does. It's, it's just like, oh, that's someone, there's someone else better. And that's like I know for a fact with me, right, I, I just say to them now because, you know, I've got, I've got like a dime a dozen people turning up in my classes. I go, right, um, next. Yeah, but it, yeah, I've, been, I've been here and then. I said, you know, luckily for me I've worked with a lot of these physios. And I said, they're, they're incredible with knees. They're incredible. Go to that person if you've got a knee dysfunction because he's worked with five or 600 football players. Yeah, get your knee fixed there. If it's an ankle issue, same thing, right? But if it's a lower back, you know, go to Tim right down at Coogee here. Um, go to Patrick in Double Bay because he's going to fix your neck. You know, you're only going to have to go there two or three times. You're not going to get a Band-Aid fixture, you know. You understand the Cairo physio is inc in incredible to create the mobility pathway. It might be the cookie-cutting thing, but these guys here might be amazing at doing something, you know, and at – they, they might ingredient-wise. I know they're good at everything in the holistic approach too, but, um, yeah, just having those things and, and harnessing it. Because is it core, like is it, it – what, what, what is the core? How do, you, how do you switch your core on? What, what muscle do you want to switch on? You can switch your transverse abdominus on, you know, like lightly drawing your, your, your navel in. What contraction do we know? It's a 5% contraction to walk around to have your core on. It's around 10 to 15% doing your exercise unless you're loading it and then, you know, your lats, your lats here. We all work the lat, but it's still a part, right, but it's connected to your pubis. So you've got to try, try and train it as a full body integration. He's blowing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Mate, yeah, that's phenomenal. I, I, I mean, look, to be honest, I'm stuck. I'm on the floor. I'm in still the old school. As much as we know this knowledge, I still like going to the gym and but beat my chest and lifting weights. Yes. And then my physio, my physio got in there and, my back cooked a proper blew my back up. Couldn't get off the floor for two weeks. I was like, well, this is me done. Like, and part of the reason why I sort of started getting out my back, all the discs and stuff. Anyway, we're doing physio and the physio's like, and I saw that she's got some Pilates times up on the wall. I'm like, oh, I might do this Pilates. She's like, you're not even there yet. And I, I was on the floor just trying to do one-legged hamstring activation stuff. Yes. It's like these old ladies, they are 70 plus and they will fuck you up. Like, Yeah. And they're yes. India. Yep. Yeah, because it, it's, it's like it's – you look at the, the linkage versus the leakage, right? So we just go, all right, you know, because it's a man, we go to primitive times and we've got to lift, you know? Yep. So that's the load, right? And it's getting back to like that. What is your or, – or let's look at muscles uh, versus, you know, we'll say I don't want to talk about a muscle. It's muscles or a holistic approach to the body, local versus um, global. or in So your global muscles, your big muscles that we look sexy, we want to look good, right? But your local muscles, the intrinsic muscles, the ones that stabilize in the hip, the shoulder, the neck, the ankle, the you know. So they vote they're both extremely important, but it's it's like local versus global, or you know. And that, yeah. that's exactly the problem. We we just focus when especially young kids, just the big ones, big yeah. global muscles. I, I remember doing my first studies and they, they 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 looked at the all blacks and they did core work for it was like six months non-stop core work, you know, sit-ups, the whole lot, right? For core. And I remember one of the holistic coaches at the time, his name's Paul Check, and he's amazing, this bloke. And he was like, he was pretty much the first person to go really holistic with stuff. And he got them to all stand on one foot and he come around and they were in a they were in a running stance position. He come and just touched their shoulder and they fell over. And he goes, So you've just said you've you've trained a part. 
versus a pattern. How do we how do we make it? You know what I mean. So he just blew um, a sports scientist out of the water. Or I have worked with sports scientists, and the hard thing for me, I started becoming not so much religious, but I was getting caught in a, a phase of my studies. So like Dr. Stuart McGill, he he he's all about uh, having a rigid structure and keeping the spine in line. So I don't know if you guys have ever been told this, right? So a spine moves, right, as you know. So when a, a spine moves where versus an arm and leg moves through mobility, when your spine moves, it's like this is the best way to have an analogy of a spine. And I don't want to blow you away too much with this. Sh- you already have. All you right. already have. I'm collecting my brains through the room now. <laughs> so think about a spine being the sail of a boat, all right? So it's a very strong structure. You have the guy ropes that come off a sail of a boat, right? Now, if uh, the um, let's say the tension on, on the boat comes to the sail and the guy rope starts getting pulled by one side, so it's going to torsion and then tension on the other side. The spine is exactly the same as that. If we if we rotate through the spine, your muscles will do the opposite and try and stabilize and keep you stable through the spine. If you move your arms and legs around, they're designed to be moved. Your spine is designed to do the opposite, stabilize and keep you upright in an erect position. So it's really important to think about the guy rope system. That's your muscles stabilizing you in the fascia, the, the connective tissue over yep. your body. Yeah. You don't get – and I, do you get sore muscles? Is it sore, is it sore muscles or is it sore connective tissue? Is it the connective tissue over the top of the muscle? That's what you want to start thinking about, connective tissue. So fascia – and it's like spider web over the top of the muscle. And if you've got a knot, it's it's generally the connective tissue over the top of the muscle. Okay. Oh, right. So do you think, oh, I've got a I've got a tight calf muscle. It's the connective tissue. Where's that connective tissue start? From the bottom of your foot. So it's releasing, you know, above and below, or maybe the whole sling of the body. I've got some work to do. I got some work. And that's Bloody I mean, that's it, that expert that analogy about the spine, that was gold. And that's yes. that's, that's why I need um I got, I got a bit of a scoliosis in my spine. Yep. Um, causes me a bit of drama. Um, and then I've seen a chiropractor. It was amazing. Um, but now I'm starting to know you need to go and see a chiro, crack it straight, whatever they do. And you need the physios and you need all the other yep. pieces as well. Yep. I mean, osteos are fantastic for that too. So you are not just straightening your spine and then letting the muscles just pull it back into the crooked position. So because once you, you cra- you've just so the good thing about the chiro He's just, he's given you a pathway to to go and activate, right? Where you might have a, a a your body. Everyone has an asymmetry in their body too. Well, most people, are, you know, there's no no not many people are symmetrical, mm. right? Left to right. Okay, so yeah, so they so that osteophysio chiro might create a pathway for you to activate more and stabilize through your exercises. So yes, they are incredibly important. Like Pilates, it's all. They're all elements or in- ingredients, but it's also a tool and it's not a rule. Okay, so it's really important. So you just go, okay, well, yeah, I'm getting these ingredients and they're all coming together to make that beautiful curry, but they're, all, they're, they're tools, they're not rules. You know, we can change the curry. You, you, you know, you can put a little bit of coconut milk in there if you want or if you've gone vegan, you can put something else in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's 100% right and that's what we need to get to. Over, and I think we're getting there over the next five or ten years, but individualised recipes. Yeah. Because uh, all, all the studies we're doing at the moment, uh, you, they go to a uni, you get 200 candidates and whatever the results are for them, it's like, all right, that's that's what 
physios need to do for humans, for fix a knee or, or to, to fix that muscle, we're going to do that. And then you get people who are like anomalies. And so there is slight tweaks, like the baseline, similar, but for the human bodies, diet, fitness, repair, recovery, it is a bespoke recipe that you need for each person. Yeah, totally. Even the spine. Some people have flatter spine. Some people have an extra vertebra on the spine. You yeah, know? I, I was doing some yin, at a, at a, doing a yin yoga course and they were talking about anatomical description. I probably failed it. And it was people's bones that grow differently. So where you might have X amount of range of motion through your shoulder, some people might have an extra, like yes. more of a cap bone. Hips, yeah. Hips, look at hips. hips they, they call it the Scottish hips. You know, people that, yep. Some people just have, they can't get down into deep squats or, you know, they can't get their femur heads parallel to the ground. And so there's the hip plays a big role too, you know? Yep. Yeah. And that's, that's the risk people run watching YouTube tutorials on how to do squats versus going to get a personal trainer to actually have a look at your body and give you, because most, I mean, it, it's starting to get, um, there's a lot more out there now with different descriptions, but original, back in the day, any powerlifting movements, it was one set model. And it's like, if someone's hips require their feet to be pointing out, this demo is going, your toes are pointing straight forward. you got no chance, no chance of getting your ass to the ground underweight. Yeah, so, you, yeah, if like you to, the anatomical position of a foot is 8 to 10 degrees turnout of the foot, right? But as you said, there's, everyone has a different femur head too. Yeah. You know? Right. Yep. So, that, you know, the 8 to 10 degrees would would sit well with Pilates, you know, because or doing Reformer. Just to, to have that turnout, then you're just switching more of your glute med minimus on, you know, a little bit of your maximus in that position. So then it's going to fire up. You're going to get more fire through it. But, but um, you know, then in a squat, some people nearly have their feet in internal rotation, you know, and they really corkscrew their foot out to sp- get the le- out lateral lines of the body to fire up, you know. Yeah, right. I'm gonna have to pay attention because that, that's one thing. Yeah, while I'm learning to rewalk, also learning to squat again, um, and that's the big part of it. Is, is is where is my knee in relation to my big toe? Yeah, and I'm just figuring this out. Well, I'm being told how to do it, but and never. to get that arch off the ground is it's like I had flat feet, and it's like you know I wore orthotics forever. You know, but it, yeah, big toe function, foot function, having the stability, you know, doing your, doing calf raises, doing even working the soleus, the muscle under the calf, going back to just working apart is so important. Yeah. Heaps important. So you can actually, you can properly fix flat feet. Yeah, you can get yeah, the, I'm, I'm yeah. starting to get an arch now. Like I've been doing this for about, well, I went to, I, I actually used to use, go to the right physio. Um, I've forgotten the name of the guy. The, the Irish chick? The Irish chick. <laughs> she's yeah, it was, wild. It was, it was, it was, she's a legend. She was good at her job. Um, did did talk to me every time. It was like a counselling session. She'd just go and tell me everything she'd been doing on the piss on the weekend. That's right. I was, like, I was a counsellor for her almost. She's like, all right, I'm here. I'll listen to your stories for an hour. Entertain me and then I'll get out of it. I'm like, oh, we didn't actually fix anything in my body. It doesn't matter. But no, I was going down there for a, bit, a couple of years ago and then I got, as, as I do sometimes, get distracted, stop going to the physio work too much, don't worry about personal recovery. Um, now I'm just getting back into it. And it is over the last couple of months I'm starting to feel the arch in my foot. Is in which is it your left foot more than your right? Oh mine mine are both. Both. Normally so I'm left footed, right handed. Yep. Um when I first started having dramas, the, the, the first issue I noticed was my my because I had no Patella tendonitis? No, ITB. Um yes. So yeah. because uh, maybe maybe a bit in the patella, but um, it, it was from having flat feet and no glutes, not activating my core at all, having having no arse and hamstrings, 
I was basically using my ITV to lift weight when I was walking and running and squatting. Yeah, and that's yeah, and the fascia band across your hip. So that and if that's tight, weak, that's going to track your knee inwards medially, inwards. So then it's going to load the knee, and that's yeah, upstream, downstream, straight away. The first time when I went down to see a so what was the name? Kara, Kaya, yeah, that's it, Kara. Kara, is it? Close to that. Kira. Kira, that's got Um, it. She plays Gaelic footy. Yeah, yeah. And the first time I went to see her, she's like, all right, I've got to get you out there and I need you to run up the Ramwick Oval and I'm going to video you. As soon as I started running, she dropped the phone and was pissing herself laughing. She's like, I've never seen someone run like Bambi as much as you do. And it's because I was doing that. My knees, as soon as I run, my knees are just bending in. Yeah. And I'm I'm six six foot three. I was 110 kilos. And I'm running like a, a deer that's just come out of its mum. Like I had no yeah. idea how to run properly. Yeah, good point. So that then the glute obviously keeps the knee tracking, you know, the uh, in the right anatomical position. So then if you've got tight, you know, TFL down the side here, yeah, so releasing it and, and activating is heaps important, mm. you know. just So that's it. There you go. There's a good point. So coming back to Pilates, you have a Pilates ring, so you do a lot of inner thigh work, right? But the general population from sitting have tight TFLs, weak abductor muscles on the inner thighs, right, from prolonged sitting. So if it's weak, it's generally long, you know. So that's another really important thing. If you're rolling out muscles that are already weak, like your glutes, people go, oh, I've got sore glutes. So they're rolling out a muscle. It's like stretching a band longer and making it longer and weaker. It's about sometimes activating, stimulating, um, you know, that with the knee and flat feet, it's about internal rotation of the knee, laying someone down, you know, looking at the rib cage, the rib cage, the spiral on of the rib cage affects the hip heaps into the foot, into the into the arch of the foot. So yeah, and it's jumping on clinic really good clinicians. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Not just a clinician that says a couple of things too, clinicians that are willing to stand up and and go through the actual phase. From literally well, the the eyebrow that, through. That's something I might hit you up about over the next few months because that's what we want to start building around here because Coogee Diggers now, mm. they've got this sick new gym. Um, there is a physio in here and we, we're going to turn this into a one-stop shop for, for veterans. Well, eventually for everyone, but, I mean, the gym's open to the public, but we want to start with the RSL, making it a wellness centre. Yep. Um, and not all those clinicians are going to work out of here, obviously, but we do want to start building a list of people that have been referred. To, yeah. And we can just recommend, especially like, like – Are you still doing group classes here? They will be, yeah. And that's why when you said yeah. that, I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll let them know that you can because we've got to build a list um, of, yeah. of how they're going to run it. I mean, at the moment, the gym's uh, been open properly, I think, for about two months. So they're getting – it's all new staff. They get them used yep. to it and then we'll start bringing in group trainers. But, yeah, absolutely. We, we want to get to the point where you can come in here, do it as much as you can in here with classes. But then if, if there's a clinician that we don't have here – we can point you in the direction of yes. the best ones in Sydney. Yeah, that's and that'd be huge. It's a trust piece, hey. Like, and especially lived experience and, and living around here, being around here, and and being able to shop. It's not shopping. What is clinician shopping? I suppose whether it's psychologists, physiologists, whoever they are, you have to go and find the ones. And sometimes it's hard to find the right one with the right fit with the right knowledge. Yes, and uh, the because like to that trust phase, it would kill me to know that someone's literally in debilitating pain, got to fund their kids and pay for a mortgage, right? And you've sent them to someone that's put a heat pack on them. Yeah. You know, that would kill you going, oh, my God, I've sent someone off and it's a guesstimation, you know. No, we want to, you know, I'll bring people in here for you that are experts like and just go, right, I've got a a guy that's an expert. He's called the Nexpert. Yep. 
bring mm-hmm. them in, right? So, you know, it, it's good for them, but it's good for us because we're giving away all these tips and tools and everything for everyone we know out here. So they're getting a lot, you know, it's a, it's getting their bang for buck and they're taking tools away to go, right, oh, that's perfect. I've had this neck issue for a year, which generally, generally is the case. People go, yeah, that keeps coming back. Yep. You know, I'm picking kids up. I keep loading my neck up, you know. So there's there's good people out there, but it's it's actually finding it. Yeah, exactly, and that that's the big issue. They're not. It's not cheap for for average people to go to these clinicians, and if you have a bad experience <gasps> with the first one, you're like, I just spent 160 bucks on a bloke who, who didn't know what he's doing. And so we we need to refer people to ones that are trusted. They've been recommended by someone that we trust, and they're like, go to this dude, go to this chick. You're gonna have a good experience. They're gonna help you do X, Y, Z. Off you go. Psych, yeah. psychs is huge. Like, psych, you had, I had a bad experience with the first psych I went to see, and I was like, I'm psychs done. I'm not going back. And it yeah. took me a while of talking to the boys before I went and found another one. I was like, that was just a bad experience. That's um, it's so that's so funny. We we had a psych at the beach, it's, and like they used to get these psychs in. I'm not, and everyone's good in their lane, right? These psychs, they they're never done with dealt. They're dealing with someone in an office that's you know that's suffering from mental health or, or an issue at home, not, and we were saying, so this is a great story. So, and this is everywhere on the news. So some bike, he gets smashed down at North Bondi and his head's like open in half. Right. And I'm on the news everywhere because I'm, I'm treating this bloke and you know, I don't, I don't know who he is. I'm just doing the right thing, treating him in front of all the public. And then all of a sudden, you know, the cops are ringing saying, you got, mate, this is going to this, you know, the high court, Supreme court. You come. I'm going. No, mate. I'm a public figure. I'm not going to court. <laughs> they do what they do. I did what I did. First day at him. I didn't. You know. Don't know what he's up to. Don't know what he's got in his back pocket. Right. Yep. So we had to see a site. This site comes in. You're gonna love this. You two. Site comes in, and she says, "Oh, so why don't you want to go to court?" And I said, "Because I'm a public figure. I'm not on TV. People can knock on the door. I haven't got a baton." <laughs> I've got a taser. It me a lifeguard. You know, people can approach me whenever they want. And she said, I said, I'm on Bondi Rescue. She said, the TV show. And she says, yeah. And she goes, oh, so you, are you worried about your acting career, like you can't get a job on Neighbours or something like that? And I go, this person doesn't get it. They're, like I'm thinking, this person's here to aid you and give you, you know, things to take you on your way to help you. And they're, this, my acting career? Like this ain't this ain't bouncer. This ain't Ramsey Street, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Mangle, remember Mrs. Mangle? <laughs> All we wanted to do was have a swim in that pool and become good friends. <laughs> so Maybe. yeah, you're right. You have to gel with someone. You have to like them. You have to put trust. But I think I think it's important. The the best sites I've spoken to. Um, more recently, ones that have actually been through some shit. Yeah, and, and, and being able to admit it. Yeah. Too. And, 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 yeah, have to have a little bit of that lived experience stuff because the, the stats in Australia at the moment, the majority of sites, because it's a, a up-and-coming profession, I guess. I know it's been around for a little while, but it's and we now know that we need Australia's got a massive shortage of, of yeah. qualified sites. Um, and most of those seats through university are being filled by females. So we're going to have – the majority of sites in Australia over the next decade are going to be sub thirty year old females, and I'm wow. like, how if they know exi- that they're smart people, they've read the books, they've done the courses, but they haven't lived a life anywhere close to mine. I'm a dude, I went knock around kind of guy. Yeah, I'm like, I need to be speaking to a psych who's 
Live your yeah, you yeah, have to come, relate. Yeah, been yeah. on your journey. Yeah, you know, seeing you talk, seeing you walk. Absolutely, it's, it's and and I, yeah, I, I know they're they're such a an asset that we do need them. Um, but yeah, that, it's very hard, and it just that it's hard. The the country's obviously screaming out for it. You know, it's it's not just mental health now. We've got everything from petrol rates going up. You know, with your, your home loans, groceries. We, you know, we're in a full on pandemic. Yeah. Is, the pressure is is getting so much that you know, like obviously, it's it's cooking people. Yeah. You know, like so we we need subject matter experts out there that can resonate, we can trust that that have got those skills, and they're out there. I, I think, yeah, really, the government needs to invest more money. Yeah, right. So, because like, because we're living examples of it. We've seen our national servicemen dying for dying because they've been affected by something, and we need better systems in place. You know. What what they think is a link is a leakage to us, based on cultural things. That be brave, stand up, do this. It's not like that anymore. You know, feelings and emotions are, are, are real, and people are taking their lives. Our mates are telling us how they feel. They never did that when we were kids. You know, so it's more open now. We've got we've got to put everything into it because if these people are paying taxes here, it's not about this short game. It's a long game. We need them to pay taxes. We need them to be part of this country and part of, you know, the future of the furniture of this place. Invest whatever we need to to help them. Do whatever it takes. Yeah, I, I can't believe, I mean, I'm pretty sure we're the only species on this planet that gets so miserable with our environment we kill ourselves. Crazy. Humans, the only species on the planet that, that kills themselves. Like, and, and we're like nearly the highest death rate in the world, you know, second, I think. Yep. And like you know, we we got the so, like what 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 can we do? Like we we need to invest more money. Well, I mean that's that's what obviously what we go to Canberra for to lobby. The problem we've got is is like you said, politicians and the decision makers need to be looking at the full life cycle of a human, um, not the three years that they're going to be in politics for. Because we need to start getting yeah. Well, or everything we do is preventative and proactive, and I think with mental health that really is the primary model that we need to aim for. Because we, we are getting into a, a societal environment where almost everyone's going to need a psych at some stage. Totally. There's not enough of them yeah. out there. The only, the only option we have is to keep people healthy and happy before they get miserable and, and suicidal. And getting that through to politicians is almost impossible. Because it's like how do you – data? any preventative model needs to be um, effective over a minimum of a 10-year cycle. Politicians are like, I'm here for three, three and a yeah, half years. Yeah, four years. Yeah, yeah max. That's yeah. not my problem. I can't, I can't spend money on something that's gonna, like they, they don't want to plant the tree that they can't sit in the shade of. They, they need to get results straight away. And unfortunately, they throw money into bricks and mortar and buildings and, and yeah. shit we don't need just because it looks good. Does it work? Stats say no. Yeah, health is wealth. At yeah. the end of the day, you know, you put, you invest in health. You can, we're gonna get wealth of this, this country. Well, I just I can't see. So the Royal Commission, it's it's, it's been delayed to 2024. The findings from that, they're going to say, hey, we've got a cultural problem in the army. We need to fix the culture and we need to put more mental health workers on to help people when they do fall off the wagon. Cool. Six years to grow a psychologist. So if even if they make the decision 2024 and they, they what, triple a psychologist, I don't know how you attract those people to those jobs, triple their – The problem is how you attract them is they lower the high school mark required to get yes. in. Yes, and that doesn't solve the problem. So we got six years. Imagine even if we tripled the amount of psychs, it's still twenty thirty before that happens. Wow. And that's just to deal with the army's problem. Yes, that's not dealing with society's problem. Yeah, 
So unless we come up with a digital proactive tool, so people talking, listening, but they, they've got to take it into their own hands and who do they trust and be that point of trust where you go, you, A, you probably can't, aff- you might not be able to afford to go and see a psych. And if you can, you might not be able to get in and see one. So how do we help people get them a proactive tool that they can use all the time that they trust and believe in? Well, that you guys are doing it. This is the best proactive tool ever because motion is lotion. The more movement you get, you're going to get out of the head back in the body. Yep. You start owning yourself again. You know, that's all. And you guys are creating something that's very powerful. We all know it's powerful, but this this is actually it. We're created to walk the earth, you know, hunters and gatherers. So we're getting back to just movement and it saves lives. Yeah, yeah. You guys are amazing what you're doing. You, you, you know, you're literally your angels on the ground, you know. Well, my mum went. Mate, I was going to say we, we should cut it at that, mate. That's a good. That's a good ending. <laughs> yeah, you guys are legends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, what what's going on uh, with Harry over the next couple of months? What's what's what do you got coming up? Oh God, I've got heaps of stuff coming up over the next couple of months. Um, I've got four wheel drive adventure show stuff. I got to no. Yeah, yeah. Do, I'm out at the four wheel drive, you know, parks to meet people. First aid, so I'm an ambassador for a first aid company, Survival First Aid, which is, you know, it's amazing to be a part of and and help people and um, educate people on how to save someone else, which is, you know, something that obviously resonates with me. Close and, yeah, family. I want to, yeah, my family need a holiday. They've had enough. Yeah, good. Uh, we can call ScoMo up and see what he, he's got some recommendations. Oh, he's the best. He's the, <laughs> he's the best. He's already still got that bed waiting for us at Waikiki. <laughs> I know you know what to do and you can catch waves all the way across that beach there. <laughs> <laughs> How about we provide the hula girls and we do some dancing? <laughs> Aloha. <laughs> oh, mate, you're a bloody legend. Thanks for coming on and uh, we'll stay in contact, eh? Love yous. Love you, mate. Cheers. <laughs>